It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. Let's get right into this uh, dissection, I guess, of the non-game that Ohio State just had. I've been waiting for something like this to happen. The Sword of Damocles has been hanging over our heads. We've been hoping and praying that it hasn't been, you know, Ohio State that has to deal with a bunch of COVID tests or things like that. But I, I suppose that I'm not particularly shocked that at some point in the 2020 season, Ohio State's slate of games was going to be affected in some way by this and especially considering cases are just exploding all across the country <laughs> this weekend was just a mess for canceled and postponed which is really just you know a fancy word for canceled games um all across the country it, it's I, I guess i'm not surprised i'm a little sad but i you know i had some of my family text me like oh are you really pissed off that ohio state didn't play and i'm like no not really because a i think they would have won pretty handily anyway and b i feel like this was something that i expected so i i don't know are you frustrated how are you how are you feeling about the fact that ohio state wasn't able to play the terrapins and you know put another one under their belt as a resume builder for the playoff yeah, I mean, you know, frustrated might be an okay word to use there. Like, it, it it was pretty stinky not having a Buckeye game to watch on Saturday. We have such a finite number of them this season anyway. Right. Uh, so, so, yeah, that was pretty crummy. That said, I'm like you. I had expected that at some point this season, you know, the likelihood, particularly as the Big Ten waited so late to start right. the season – you know, the likelihood that we were going to get a full schedule played, even this truncated COVID schedule, you know, the likelihood we were going to get a full schedule played was pretty low, I feel and like. And they didn't really give them a lot of wiggle room either, right? Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, I've been super critical of Big Ten leadership throughout this whole debacle uh, many times on this program, and I'll do it again. I think this exact situation – uh, is why it was foolhardy of them to wait so long to get started. Uh, I understand, you know, the testing was a part of it. So, you know, there's some mitigating circumstances there. But that original schedule that had those collapsible bye weeks built in, mm -hmm. like, that was actually kind of smart, you know, that you've built in two byes with the notion that, hey, Ohio State, Maryland can't play. Well, guess what? They've got this bye week here later on. We can, you know, right. and you, you, you can make it happen. And so here we are, you know, third of the way through the season, quarter of the way, or thir third or better of the way through the season, saying, gosh, it would be nice if they could make up that game. And the Big Ten's like, well, you know, I guess we could do something if there were multiple cancellations <laughs> and you wanted to make up, like, really, guys? <laughs> like, it took this before you started to put some thought to how it might work? No, like, that's hashtag epic fail. Yeah. Uh, but but do I think, oh, gosh, Ohio State's really in trouble now? No, I, I don't really think. I mean, Ohio State still controls its own destiny, right? Like, I mean, what did, what did Ohio State lose really by not playing this weekend? I mean, if you're I mean really have you not been reading the – I mean, haven't you been reading the, 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 the social media or the boards like this? You know, we're, we're like two steps away from apocalypse here because <laughs> Indiana's going to win the Big Ten and Ohio State's <laughs> going to be on the outside looking in, dude. Like, this is <laughs> – I'll be honest, if, if the crazy, insane situation happens where that actually is the case, because, you know, Ohio State's going to be playing Indiana here, right? Like that's No, 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 because Maryland's now set – see, if you, if you read the social media, Johnny, you would know yeah, that true, Maryland yeah. has now set the precedent that Indiana can <coughs> – I have COVID, oh, I see. you know, the week before the game with Ohio State, and then they'll just be able to walk into 
Lucas Oil <laughs> Stadium as the East representative in the championship game because they've won more games than Ohio State has. <laughs> Look, hey, if they can pull that off, more power to them. I'm not going to hate on that. No, I'm respect not going to hate on that. In respect 2020, the hustle. <laughs> in this weird-ass, seriously, game-recognized game, in, in this crazy-ass year, in 2020, if that's their move and they can pull it off, hats off to you. I'm not going to be salty about that. I mean, it's – the, the, the truth here is that I don't let – me, let me put it this way. If that is what ended up happening in Indiana – ended up going to the Big Ten title game or some other goofy BS, I'm pretty sure Ohio State would still get into the playoff regardless. They would say, no, 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 we're getting you guys in. Because here's the deal. Alabama didn't play for similar reasons, right? Like LSU, yep. apparently everybody has it, and yep. they're, they're cool with it. They're like, yeah, yeah, we all got it. It's great. Um, Alabama isn't playing. It's quote-unquote postponed. But as I said, that that's not actually postponement. That's probably cancellation. And – I mean, what you got Notre Dame looking fine against BC, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Halfley and, and company kind of, you know, they, they gave him a little bit of a game there. I just, I guess what I'm saying is, is that I'm not worried about um, the whys and wherefores right now. As long as Ohio state wins the games that they do play, I really think they're fine. Even if honestly, even if they only play like maybe two games for the rest of the season, I'm pretty sure the college football playoff will look at that and go, you know what? Eh, we're fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am not at all worried about Ohio State not getting enough games uh, against X, Y, and Z. Um, that, that's just not something. You know, we should all kind of like uh, root for Indiana to pull the old okie doke here, and that, that'd be that'd be the best chance for the Big Ten to get two teams in the CFP. Now that would be hilarious. Like ever. <laughs> that would be hilarious. And look, Indiana's not a bad team. We're going to talk about Indiana a little bit later in this. They're a legitimate team. I, I yes. think that as far as 2020 goes, I really believe that Indiana is, um, you know, maybe not in a normal year would they be a top 10 team. But in this kind of year, hell, why not? Why not? Seriously, why not? I you put them against the other teams that you've looked at. You watch some of these, you know, fringe top ten teams that have they're kind of hovering around the periphery, and you're like, why not Indiana? Because are they great? No. Defensively, are they really that? No. But they've got a quarterback. They've got a pretty balanced attack offensively in terms of passing and running the ball. They're they're a decent team, and I don't. I I like the fact that a team like that can make an impact. I like the fact that, you know, Northwestern's 4-0, right? Mm-hmm. They're not – they don't look good at all, but they've won all their games. So, more power to them. I don't, you know, and Wisconsin is, you know, 2-0 and after missing several weeks, and we're definitely going to get into that. But I guess overall, just to, to wrap this singular point up and with a little bit of a bow – I am not at all worried about Ohio State missing a game. I know Ryan Day said that he would have liked to have been able to replace, um, you know, Maryland with another team, but it's it's fine. I, I'm not worried about it. And, you know, honestly, keep everybody healthy, keep everybody, you know, injury-free, and that's fine. Get them get to the end of the season, win the Big Ten, and, and move on. So, and and by the way, all of this can be rendered moot because – Nobody knows what's going to happen in the next month or so. They're already talking about possibly moving the college football playoff back. So I, <laughs> there, is, there is no reason to start worrying or wringing your hands about something that you have no idea what it's going to look like in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, it, it's not something that kept me up at night. <laughs>
yeah, we're not going to turn this into the COVID cast, and we, we no the, the listeners. But it, uh, but it matters. It matters to talk about because really the point of emphasis that I'm trying to make, as far as that goes, is that worrying about one game in the grand scheme of things probably isn't going to make a huge difference long term if yeah. you're looking at the end of the season. A- absolutely, my and, and, and my my uh, point in saying you know, with the caveat that we weren't going to turn this into the COVID cast was that we have to be realistic that we're heading into a time where the numbers ain't great friends. No. Uh, and so we should probably be prepared for uh, some weirdness, some additional weirdness, let's say yes. between now and the time Ohio state's eventually crowned the national champions. Uh, w- whether that's, as you pointed out, a delayed CFP, uh, you know, having to be slotted in and around NFL games you know who, who who knows what it's going to end up looking like but we should probably just be prepared to be flexible because yeah some stuff's going to happen yeah I it some stuff is definitely going to happen it's been happening it's going to continue to happen good news on the COVID front today we got some apparently vaccines are, are working Merrick and, and Pfizer got some stuff going on that's cool science for uh, the win yeah and hopefully that that means that you know sooner rather than later this gets resolved and we can go back to relative normalcy but until then we still have some football to talk about I <laughs> it's funny to me though because if you look at the national scene this past weekend, it really was pretty dire outside of, you know, maybe Notre Dame. And I guess if, you know, you were interested, especially if you're following like the Heisman chase or something like that, you're like, okay, well, what's Florida doing? What are some of these other teams doing? Because maybe these were teams that you didn't get a chance to really take a look at yet. Um, Florida, for example, sitting there at number six, just throttled Arkansas. I mean, they just beat the absolute hell out of them. And Kyle Trask now is like, kind of the front runner of in some people's estimations for the Heisman, which I don't, I don't think he's a terrible pick. I, I think Justin Fields is probably the more complete quarterback in general, but he's, I mean, Trask is putting up some crazy amount of yardage and, and some big time numbers. You got Oregon. He was, you know, playing football, right? So people are going to pay attention to them. I don't know. It, this was not a relevatory weekend for me um, in college football in general. I, I just, I don't know if you believe in Notre Dame. I, I know some people are, are kind of wanting to now because they've looked a little bit better than maybe people expected. And, and honestly, they've, they've got a pretty good record at this point. But I just I can't shake the fact that, um, you know, they're, they're Notre Dame. And, and look, they've got, it. like I said, great wins under their belt. I, I can't deny them the fact that you beat Clemson. You know, you, you, you have an 8-0 no record and all that. But, man, I just – it's it's hard to shake. It's really hard to shake, you know, the the kind of the Notre Dame curse. And especially also, Andy, the fact that they've been so bipolar as the season's gone on, right? Like you score 12 points against Louisville and then you go out and you put up 47 on Clemson. I don't I don't know if I can trust the team that does that. I don't know. This is where a season with no out of conference games makes it harder for me to peg like how good is insert team here because right. you're, you're you're only getting to see them so like if your bias is that the ACC is pretty crap football outside of Clemson over the past you know x number of years mm-hmm. then I, I don't know what you glean from because you, you look at Clemson and say well, okay Clemson's defense looks like refried booty this year compared to what we they normally do. expect their offense is still pretty good 
Uh, but then, then you pause and say, well, who really has 85 bears quality defense this year? Nobody does. Like everybody's defense stinks. Like, you know, I've been the the three games we've seen in Ohio state, uh, you know, I've tweeted more than once that I have questions about Ohio state's defense. Are they the silver Mm -hmm. bullets? Eh, You know, front seven, maybe so, uh, the backfield, I'm not convinced yet. You know, we'll see, but you could take and then apply Let's go back to the ACC. All right. Notre Dame beats Clemson, who we think is not the same Clemson as normal. But you say, okay, well, what about this BC game? All right. Well, they look pretty good at BC, but you know, BC took Clemson to the wire. So is this a function of Clemson being down versus Notre Dame and or Boston college being better than normal. I do think Boston College is on the upswing. Uh, yeah, Jeff Halfley, good man. Let's see what he does there. I, I just, I'm having a harder time evaluating teams, you know, com- like how good are they really without having some of those out of conference benchmarks when you're just comparing like to like. It's like, right. you know, you go to the Big 12 and you say, okay, you're all terrible. Uh, but I thought that to begin with because we've seen the Big 12, you know, throw up a million points a game and then go and get shellacked in the playoffs. Right. So, and, uh, you know, who knows? Well, and if you look, like, speaking defensively specifically, I mean, you look at the stats, you look at the, the top teams, you're like, okay, well, Wisconsin's up there, San Diego State, well, okay, there's always an outlier. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Liberty's in the top 15, Coastal Carolina. This is – there's no there's no real way to make comparisons here and to figure things out. And, again, I have harped on this since day one. I really think this is a season that benefits offenses – because there's just defenses really, I think my personal philosophy on it is that defenses require reps more than offense does offense. If you understand the scheme, you can go out there, you can beat a dude, you can use misdirection. You don't necessarily have to have um, the kind of repetition involved that I, I think it really requires of a defender to, to look at something and instantly recognize what's happening in front of them. Right. If you've got a plan, it's easier to execute that plan than if your plan is to react. And I just, I don't know. I, I, that's why I'm optimistic about Ohio state, even though, you know, we've looked at the running game and you're like, okay, well, this isn't, <laughs> this is not JK Dobbins, right? Trey Sermon, Trey Sermon probably shouldn't have been getting Heisman odds at the beginning of the season. <laughs> um, and that's, and I don't, and that doesn't bother me. I, I don't worry about that because it's not something that I think is essential for Ohio state to do really well this season. Um, I would like to see the running game get better. I don't think it has to, and I personally don't think it will. But overall, it's, you know, there are opportunities for teams that have a great offense or even like Cincinnati. Cincinnati is interesting to me because I don't know that they would be able to run necessarily with the likes of Alabama or Ohio State. But who's to say they couldn't? They're a really balanced team. They've got a really good quarterback. They've got a good, you know, like running game. Defense is solid. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough in 2020. That really is. And I don't know that that means that they're a college football team or anything like that, but it's enough. And being anxious or worrying about some of the the smaller things, and, you know, I talked a little bit about this last time, but um, – it's you can't really sweat the small stuff in a season like this. You just got to like look at the positive, see how dominant, you know, a team can be in certain facets of the game and then appreciate that. And when you've got a Justin Fields, you can do pretty much whatever the hell you want. So now you mentioned, you mentioned Liberty, uh, uh, the undefeated Liberty, uh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. 
So noted grifter Hugh Freeze about to make his way back to the Southeastern Conference. Oh God, I don't know. I, <laughs> that I could go on a long rant about Liberty. I think it's shady as hell, and I think the way they run their program is is not on the up and up. But you know what? Uh, does that make them unique in <laughs> in college football? No, and part of me has to respect the hustle a little bit. I, I, you know, I can't be super negative on it. Um, I I would rather see a guy like Luke fickle, get the props and and get the wins and all that stuff. And and they're, they're ranked ahead of them so that they'll get their shot as long as they keep winning. I'll be all right. Yeah. And for friends who may have uh, missed my reference there to freeze coming back to the Southeastern conference, you know, Will Muschamp are now going to be collecting what? What did I read? Something like twenty-one million dollars. <laughs> They're going to pay him a lot of money from a SEC teams for not coaching football, having been given the old heave ho at uh, Florida and now South Carolina. I mean, nobody tops Charlie Weiss. I don't think uh, in terms <laughs> of the amount of money they've been paid Charlie to Weiss. not coach football. Charlie Weiss failed at multiple colleges in a row and was collecting checks from like three of them at once. Yeah, it was one it was one of the most amazing feats. Yeah, that that dude's agent should yeah, be in good the Hall of Fame. You know that was fantastic. But um, so it's in it, you know you talk about Will Muschamp, but like I just read an article actually before we started recording where you know Tom Herman <laughs> it was like it was on ESPN. Tom Herman is like sick of fielding questions about Urban Meyer potentially taking his job, and I'm like. <laughs> That's got to be the ultimate insult, by the way. That that's that that is some reporter just being mean. Frankly, <laughs> that's you know what I mean. Like that's just a mean thing to say to Tom Herman. I I understand that he's kind of a douchebag, and uh, you know he's not doing particularly great at Texas. But that's really twisting the knife. I don't know about that one. Yeah, one of the um, things I find amusing there isn't that 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 story or one uh, on that particular topic. Herman was saying how much it's it's hurting his recruiting, and I want to say. <laughs> You know, you know, Texas Tom. I don't know that that's what's hurting your recruiting. Yeah, yeah. There's. <laughs> I'm not there's, sure that's it. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I mean, if that's what he wants to blame it on, go for it. I don't know. I would agree with you. I think there might be other mitigating factors, <laughs> such as his incompetence. Um, and that's you know, I, I guess that's what kind of brings us to the other topic that we can get into here. Uh, with college football at large, which is the ineptitude of Michigan. And I write about it every week. And here's what I'll say. I thought it was a little surreal. As someone who's been doing threat level and whatnot, it was interesting to me that you've got this night game, right? Wisconsin's back. Graham Mertz is back. Everybody's pumped. And there's nothing else on. So (laughs) any of the marquee games that people might have been interested in are canceled. And frankly, it wasn't a great week for college football anyway. And so, as a result, everybody's eyes are on Wisconsin, Michigan, and it was really surreal to watch people kind of absorb in real time something that I've been dealing with for the past, like, three years, which is that Michigan is bad, they're way worse than you actually think, and they're not going to get better. And, and watch, watching the collective, like, Twitterati of, of college football kind of come to that realization over the course of a single game was really fascinating to see. Because I'm just kind of sitting there watching everybody make their jokes, and I'm like, "Yeah, yep, that's it's it shouldn't be a surprise to you, but I guess it is." Um, they got annihilated. I mean, it was 49 to 11. 
And it um, wasn't that close. No, it wasn't that close. Michigan, Michigan had one yard of offense in the first quarter. Uh, their first two passes attempted were interceptions uh, by Joe Milton. And they're just – I've run out of ways to describe and to explain how bad Michigan is. And it really is – you know, Herbie did their kind of wrap-up thing with Fowler and you know, they're on Instagram and they're getting a little buzz and talking about – you know, how bad Michigan is and whatnot. And, and Herbie was like, it's sad. And I don't know that it's sad at this point. It, sad would be if you had this great storied program and they were trying their darndest, but damn it, it just working, wasn't working out. To me, it's almost like a farce because it's just they're, – they're just falling flat on their faces and they're not even really trying to get up. Like they're kind of like stumbling around and, and pretending to play football and then just getting their asses kicked. And that's, that's what's so – that's got that's what's got to be so frustrating as a Michigan fan to watch this because it's not even that they're trying it's that they just don't seem to care like this thousand yard stare this deer in the headlights look that Jim Harbaugh has at all times isn't to me the indicator of somebody in over his head it's the indicator of somebody just has basically stopped trying and that's really you know I was hoping that the Michigan of 2020 would at least be interesting to watch and when they beat Minnesota I was like okay I don't think they're going to be good but they might be fun to watch and that has not bared fruit at all they they're not fun to watch they are very very bad to watch and there's nothing really entertaining about watching them get shellacked week in and week out because they, it's it's they're bad in the same way every week and that's what's really just makes it obnoxious to follow them because they're you know exactly what's going to happen on any given week. And it's just agonizing to watch. Every week we do a round table with uh, three uh, writers on the site and, and uh, everyone answers the same series of questions. And one of the questions, I think I was on um, week two maybe. And one of the questions was about Joe Milton and, you know, he just looked like it was after that Minnesota game. And good. And, and, you know, uh, there's a phrase we, we have talked about for years with regard to Michigan. We talk about the September Heisman, you know, yeah. that, that there's always some player in Michigan that is super hyped early right. in the season and then ends up looking rather pedestrian by year's end. And it was like, you know, Milton is clearly this season's September Heisman for, for Michigan. People were just over the moon. At one point during the Wisconsin game, his, his passer rating was negative 100. <laughs> Negative yeah. 100. I think he had, if I remember this correctly, it, you know, he had two completion, uh, two attempts, and both were interceptions, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, he finished with a QBR according to ESPN's calculations, 8.3. Sweet. <laughs> you know, uh, you only go up. <laughs> here's here's the thing though. You know, their their passing game was all they had going. If you look at the Michigan rushing attack, yeah. Uh, their lead, you know, Zach um, Charbonnet had 21 yards on three carries. The whole team had 47 yards rushing. That included 15 yards from from Milton on seven scrambles. Yeah. Okay, 47 yards. Now, now compare that to Wisconsin, which I will grant you is a running ball club. There were not one, not two, not three, but four ball carriers for Wisconsin who had more yards on the ground than Michigan had total rushing <laughs> yards. Okay. But see, that's the thing why I don't necessarily put this all in Joe Milton. I think Joe Milton has a lot of really good athletic tools. Um, he can, he can scramble for yardage. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's making dumb decisions, but I, I really think it's just a result of giving, getting no coaching whatsoever. 
but really, once teams realize that there is no threat from Michigan's running game whatsoever, you can just key in on whatever. Like, just follow Joe Milton's eyes and then just send a dude to, like, just jump in front of whatever pass he's going to make because mm-hmm. there's no chance that they're going to get anything done in the running game whatsoever. Um, and and that – I mean, that's it. It's over. Like, they can't score points. Mm-hmm. They can't really stop people. Quiddy Pay was out. Uh, one of their best uh, defensive players. But ironically, Michigan actually recorded a sack for the first time in three games. That's that's good on them, I guess. Um, but it was just a disaster in every facet of the game. It ended kind of late. It felt it was a little late. I actually fell asleep uh, like bef- like halfway through the fourth quarter. And I woke up. I was like, oh, what happened? I'm like, oh, okay, they lost by even more points. That's cool. Um, but it's, you know – as an Ohio state fan, right. You're supposed to be like exhilarated by, yeah, Michigan sucks. I love it. But I just, I don't even want them to be good at this point. I don't really care if they're a competent team. I just want them to be interesting in some way. And and that's why people were so excited when Jim Harbaugh first showed up because they're like, okay, this guy's going to inject some life into this program there. He's going to, you know, bring back some kind of swagger, some kind of moxie. They may not beat Ohio state all the time. They may not even be Ohio state at any point in time, but it'll be at least a program that people have to pay attention to. And there is no program in the big 10 that I am less interested right now than the Michigan. Like honest to God there, I, I will make fun of them. I will joke about them. I'll do threat level and then do, you know, do my duty. But they are probably the least interesting team in the Big Ten right now. There is nothing, nothing about Michigan that should entice or intrigue anybody following college football because you know exactly what's going to happen. You know, <laughs> they could easily I, – I think they're very likely to lose to Rutgers, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that I think they're like 10-point favorites or something like that. I have no idea why. Um, they, there's, they offer nothing. They really do. Um, like even, you know, when Rutgers is, is playing Ohio state one night, you're like, okay, well, this is a team that, you know, you watch Graciano throw the, the kitchen sink at Ryan day and, and Ohio state. And you're like, okay, they're not going to win, but that's cool. That's kind of interesting. Let's see what happens with that. You're not ever going to get that with Michigan. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So I, well, I don't the- know what to do with that team. I, um, really think that they, honestly, if I were them, I would just straight up fire Jim Harbaugh right now like right now immediately well and that's the thing that kind of you know going back to we I was laughing about the Muschamp situation at South Carolina and and you've referenced more than once uh the sunk cost fallacy you know which uh the the wannabe economist in me uh loves that reference like if you're Michigan what, what like what's your best case scenario here friend? Yeah, get, what are you I, yeah what are you gonna get out of this i, I right? get that there's a lot yeah i get that there's a lot of coaches this year who are going to get a gimme because yeah. this year is what it is i i get that you know do i think penn state should fire james franklin after this year no probably not you know he's done enough other good things yeah uh, and there's a lot of mitigating that, factors too yes so so like a guy like that i'm there but with with harbaugh in michigan guys you've already seen as good as it's going to get like what what could possibly look at the recruiting and and you can't honestly if you're a Michigan fan if you're a Michigan administrator say you know he just needs a little more time to turn this thing around like no that's not that's not actually going to happen uh my two reactions it was so funny 
I was thinking to myself, God, I can't wait to see the threat level because Johnny's got to seriously add a new level below <laughs> low like this because uh, low doesn't cut it anymore. And you did not disappoint. Yeah. Uh, you, you added a new, in the, in the fact yeah, that the new level was you're going to lose to Rutgers. So, <laughs> you know, when we were talking about the line, uh, I think it was Colin um, shared with staff, you know, when the line came out that it was, it was uh, Michigan favored by 10. My, my gut reaction was, you know, I'd be sorely t- tempted to put money on Rutgers, frankly. Seriously. Um, and, and so then, of course, you know me, I, I stand for Bill Connolly. So I'm going to like, I'm going to go back and see what SP plus looks like this week, which this is a bad season, I, I think, for using SP plus yes, as any kind of barometer because you have such a limited data set for teams right. in the Big Ten in particular. So, you know, SP plus still gives Michigan a 21 point advantage. Yeah. Uh, on a neutral field, and I'm like, LOL. If Michigan beats Rutgers by 21, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just will. I will not believe that until I see it. Because yeah. after watching Shiano and Rutgers, well, as as you aptly put it, throw the kitchen sink at Ohio State. I mean, that was an interesting game. Yeah. You know, it, it, and it, I don't think it was ever in any doubt who was going to win, but it was an interesting game. And as an Ohio State fan, like it made you sweat at times. Like, dang. This you know this ain't your daddy's Rutgers, so so to speak. It's they're an interesting football team. They're everything Michigan's not. They're an interesting football team. They're a well coached football team, and mm-hmm. you know there is a part of me that says Rutgers talent gap. Like I, I don't know quantitatively how how much better Michigan is than Rutgers talent wise. I I'm not sure it's that big given how poorly Harbaugh has recruited. No, I don't. I, 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 well, here's the thing. So I, Michigan, yes, Michigan has not recruited as well as I think their fans would have hoped. I don't think they've recruited horribly. I mean, they're, they're relatively, you know, they're in the top 10 most years. And in a couple of years, they've been in the top five. They, they've recruited okay. And, and if you look at some of these other teams in the Big Ten, particularly like Wisconsin, right? Like they've, they've done much better than Wisconsin in terms of recruiting. It's just, it's coaching. It really comes down to coaching and the level of give a damn from their staff and it's absolutely not there it's just not there and so whatever talent they do have is just not being utilized or coached up in any way shape or form and it's you know you look at something like their defensive backs you look at their defense in general and you're like this is supposed to be where they were going to excel this is where they were supposed to like be able to lean on a little bit after losing Shea Patterson it's like okay well we'll have this kick-ass defense keep us in games and it's just not there at all um so i don't you know where do i go from here i don't know i don't i don't know what happens with michigan i think they're absolutely goofy right now but desperate times may call for some desperate measures i've got a few plans in mind for threat level as we go forward and and frankly i kind of hope they do lose to Rutgers because it would be interesting that's what i'm saying an absolute tire fire where everybody's losing their mind is better than like a four point win against Rutgers because that would actually be the worst possible thing for Michigan to string this out and to pretend like things might get better. Cause they're absolutely not going to, um, they're, they're terrible. And Ohio state's going to beat them by like 500 points, which is that why I will actually enjoy quite a bit. And I, and I want to say one last thing about the Michigan game before we move on to uh, things not related to Michigan shout out to whatever Patriot hero got Surrender Cobra Michigan fan on one of the cardboard cutouts in the big house. That yeah. was beautiful. I agree. That was that was pretty fantastic. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, basically, what they need to do is just fill out all of those cardboard cutouts with 
all of the really terrible things that have happened in Michigan, right? Like you need to have, you know, the punter losing the snap uh, with his horrified look on his face. (laughs) You need to have, you know, Michigan, you know, basically like the, the Michigan state blocking the punt returning for the touch and any kind of, any kind of just Michigan failure that you can. Um, And people were also talking about this. I was trying to workshop a joke and I guess Twitter did it for me, but the idea that you can kind of play uh, guess who with all of the uh, cardboard cutouts yes. and, and as the game goes on, you just start removing them. <laughs> and then my thought was, is that, you know, as Michigan starts losing a game, you start removing those cardboard cutouts and the last person in the stadium actually has to show up to the next game by themselves and watch it in person and nice. just sit there angrily while Michigan blows another game That's uh, but they but they're the only one in the stadium there are no cardboard cutouts there's no family it's just them with their arms crossed and frowning as, as you know Michigan runs for 0.1 yards per carry mm-hmm. um, against like I don't know you know Northwestern or Purdue or something like that so yeah. So that's that's kind of a rundown. Hopefully, we can actually talk about an Ohio State game next time. But until then, uh, we want <laughs> to remind wait, you. Wait, I got I got I got I got one oh, more. No, please I know, go. I know. I said. I know. I said I wasn't going to say anything about Michigan. But the one other thing <laughs> that just hit me: looking at the standings in the Big Ten. Yeah, you know we're having this uh, Big Ten uh, like tournament of shame the weekend of the Big Ten championship. Game, <laughs> that's right. right. Yes. Uh, I don't remember what we're actually calling it, but but we're playing all of these, you know, one versus two, three versus four, whatever games. I, I, I'm just not sure if I am emotionally ready, but I'm working on it to see <laughs> Penn State versus Michigan in, oh, yeah. the, in the 13-14 game. Like, oh, that, hell yeah. Let's go. I mean, the that's... The Futility Bowl, I just, that's going to be incredible. I would freaking love that. that I mean, today cool. that would be that game, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, basically. At this point, I mean, yeah. I think so because you've got Michigan State beating Michigan. Yeah, I, I think that would absolutely be in the cards. And <laughs> you know what? That that's something I would be down for. I would watch that. I would absolutely watch that just to see what happens. Just to um, see what happens. Still, still one of the best ideas the Big Ten has had in a long time, frankly. So I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm there for that. So just as a reminder, the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out. Let's do some Ask Us Anything. You can ask us anything by sending us a question to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. This is from Blake in Puerto Rico. Blake says, hi, guys. Can you rank your top three Thanksgiving foods? We are coming up on that hallowed hmm. holiday. I think it tells a lot about a person. Also, do you consider mac and cheese a Thanksgiving dish? And his three are number one, gravy. Number two, creamed corn. Not what I would pick. And then number three, and I love that he didn't even spell this out. He just wrote the letters uh, GBC, which, of course, is green bean casserole. So right. I, I, will, I have a lot of takes on this, but... First of all, let's start with his initial question uh, after, well, I guess the secondary question. Let's do the secondary question first. Do you consider mac and cheese a Thanksgiving dish? Uh, We always have mac and cheese for Thanksgiving, and that's probably actually one of the things that before I heard the second part of the question there uh, about is mac and cheese a Thanksgiving food would have absolutely been one of the things I would have said is my top three. Okay. Uh, I'm a mac and cheese junkie. I love (laughs) love 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 mac and cheese 
Um, his other two picks, I know, are definitely not in my top three. But, I, you know, when you put it that way, did I consider mac and cheese a Thanksgiving food? Like, it is not a food I necessarily, when you say, oh, what's on your Thanksgiving, you know, or, or like when you say Thanksgiving in your mind, like pans the little, uh, you know, better homes and gardens table or the right. you know, Norman Rockwell picture. No, you think of turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes and gravy and, you know, the, the cranberry dressing or whatever. Like those are the things that you instinctively think of as Thanksgiving foods mm-hmm. them because that's the only time of the year where you have them uh, in, in specific, like something like turkey. Whereas in our family, we would have that mac and cheese dish. Like to me, that's a family meal dish, like a, a yeah. family gathering dish. So yeah, we had the big mac and cheese at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, yes, 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 July, yes. Easter. You know, it's always there. A- absolutely. So, uh, so that's a tough one because it's absolutely in my top three of things that I, you know, if you just ask the question and stop there, what are my three ty- Thanksgiving foods? That would have for sure been one of my top three. Sure. And then when you ask that caveat, I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Uh, very much in the case. And so we do like the very, very dairy centric baked mac and cheese. So, uh, you know, like basically you take your, your big 13 by nine baking dish, grease it with about a whole stick of butter. Yeah. Put in your layer of macaroni noodles, uh, layer that with, I don't know, about eight cups of cheese, salt and pepper, you know, more noodles, another layer of cheese. And then we fill that sucker. Oh, and oh, by the way, when you do that cheese layer, you also take another stick of butter and, <laughs> and do butter pats and put a butter pat basically, you know, in kind of a grid over the top yeah. of all that, that cheese. Nice. Uh, and then once you've done your layers of noodles, cheese, and butter, then you take whole milk and you pour over and the milk kind of goes oh up to the, to the level of the top of the pan. So, and then you bake that in the oven for an hour, however long dad bakes it. So basically when it comes out, you know, you have this, great beautiful golden brown cheese crust on top and that butter and milk has soaked into the noodles right and just makes this just wonderfully warm and gooey and cheesy and (laughs) yummy delightful it's it's magic we yeah so that's very much on the menu Uh, one of the things i missed that was absolutely a thanksgiving food uh, for me in my top three would be grandma's uh, handmade noodles. Um, she would hand roll these, egg, you know, big fluffy egg noodles, hand roll them the night before Thanksgiving. And then, you know, basically cook them in the, the big pot of, of kind of like turkey gravy. Um, and nice. it just, it was, Oh, they're magic. I really miss grandma. Um, especially times like these, she was, she was the best. Her noodles were, were magic. Um, so th- that would be, then my third one, hmm, you know, I, I actually, enjoy are you on the, are you on the GBC train? I'm, I'm not and you know, and honestly, like my plate at Thanksgiving is a carb fest. It's a carbon meat fest. Yeah. Uh, I don't, Same. I honestly don't know if I intentionally put any vegetables on on my plate at Thanksgiving. <laughs> like I'm thinking about, we always get those styrofoam plates that have the little compartments, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we have big, big, big family gathering at Thanksgiving, not this year probably, but big, big uh, family Thanksgiving. And you just go around like, when I was a kid, there might've been 50 or 60 people at Thanksgiving. It was a huge gathering and, you know, just food for days. And so I would always prioritize, you know, you, you definitely want a goodly quantity of turkey, but dad always bakes a ham as well. And the ham is, fantastic you know bone in like legit ham not the football looks like a football you know small hams like it's a real legit carve it off the bone ham uh so i'd always have plenty of that the mac and cheese as mentioned was the thing that kind of got like 
prime placement on my plate. Mashed potatoes with those noodles. Uh, grandma's noodles were magic. And I honestly didn't care if I had the mashed potatoes as long as I had the noodles. Um, usually then we would do dressing rather than stuffing. Oddly enough, like hmm. dad, dad never really got into um, the stuffing thing, but we would always have a 13, 13 by nine of, of dressing. So basically the same thing, right? Just yeah. in the oven, in that pan, instead of stuffed in the bird. Uh, which is fine. That's just how the family preferred it. I, I tend to like stuffing myself maybe a little better because I like it a little wetter than the dressing tended to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I probably just bypassed the veggies now that I think about it all together <laughs> because you've munched on a relish tray while you're awaiting all of the other stuff. To, yeah, sure. So yeah. You're, I've had yeah. a million baby carrots. Well, I don't need more. So no, I never <laughs> got on, but I also don't like creamed corn all that much or creamed spinach. I think I like vegetables fine as they are. I, I don't need to cream them to enjoy them. I don't like the creamed corn. I do like the um, like the corn casserole type stuff. You know what I mean? Like the yeah, corn casserole is okay. Yeah, I, I like the I like more substantial corn stuff. I don't know if it's in my top three though. I would say for top three, my dad makes dumplings that are really good. Oh, sweet! Um, and he does that every year, and he he uses like the you know the turkey grease and and whatnot, and he yes. just makes it basically like a stew out of it, and then he you know, he's making these dumplings. He, he does a really good job with the dumplings. Um, mm-hmm. So I enjoy those. I'm a big fan of that. I, you know what? I, I think I will put the stuffing on there because I feel like it's such an essential part of everything else. It just goes with everything. It's not something I really love by itself, but it enhances everything else that I eat on Thanksgiving. And I'll just like put a layer of it on top of everything that I'm eating. And I, I just enjoy it. Uh, so yeah, I think it's got to appear on the list. Um, and I'm all about the desserts on Thanksgiving. Like I love the turkey I lo- and we have ham too. We do that. Um, I love the gravy. I love the, you know, I eat probably like 10, you know, biscuits and whatever, but like, or 10 rolls or whatever you end up having, but it's really just a preamble for the dessert. And <laughs> I, and I love, I love sweet potato pie and a lot of people, okay. They, you know, they want the, uh, the pumpkin pie. I actually, I do enjoy pumpkin pie. I'm not hating on pumpkin pie. I'm more of a sweet potato pie though, uh, guy. And, uh, we always have a really great sweet potato pie with that crust. You get the whipped cream on top of it. Um, you know, I'm a lactose intolerant dude, so I'm just like inhaling lactose pills like the, during this entire yeah. day, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I will, I will take that hit because the the desserts get a little bit of dollop of ice cream on there. That's 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 the topper for me on Thanksgiving. I'll, I'll have all that other stuff. You know, I'll have the you know the the corn pudding and what. That's what I was looking for. The corn pudding. I really do enjoy corn pudding, but. Um, yeah, you got You got to have that big slice of sweet potato pie with the whipped cream and the ice cream at the end of it. I love uh, that, that. That that completes Thanksgiving for me. Yeah, Thanksgiving desserts. We we were blessed with them uh, a, a lot. You know, and again, some of that was just by function of having such a large gathering that that people would bring desserts. You know, and yeah. So Thanksgiving wasn't a potluck per se, but everybody brought something, and so you would have grandma baked dozens of pumpkin pies i just just she had oh yeah my my aunt Ruth and my grandma would make it they would make seven or eight different pies and they were all different like of like cherry pie peach pie you know all kinds of crazy stuff it was awesome desserts that we so i love that um i we never had a true what i would call a, a sweet potato pie but there was always a sweet potato 
um, casserole type dish that oh, was, yeah. that's the, like very the, similar the marshmallows. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there was there was always usually one then that got you know mashed up kind of like your time and, and what you would expect a sweet potato pie to be like, but it was always in like a thirteen by nine instead of a yeah do a pie pie round. Um, so and I love that. I love love mashed sweet potato kind of dishes. The sweeter you know, put, put some pecans and brown sugar and let's go crazy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, and I had a great aunt who made this um, banana pudding that was really delightful Ooh. that, that I, I rather quite enjoyed. So yeah, there was never any shortage of, of good desserts. Yeah. Good stuff. And so that was the thing I always loved about Thanksgiving. Number one, you know, I grew up in a huge family um, in, in that sense, like the number of cousins and, and extended families. So this was, that was the time when everybody came to the farm there to grandma's house. And so I loved being around all this huge people, all this amount of uh, food. And you just sort of then grazed throughout the course of the day. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the best part. It's, it's not Thanksgiving meal. Isn't like lunch or dinner. It's basically the food's out at roughly like noon or one ish. Yeah. And then you just keep eating until you fall asleep at like, yeah. Go upstairs and take a nap while you're watching whatever football game is on, yeah. you know, Cowboys, Redskins, whatever it is. Uh, and then, yeah, go back. In our case, the uh, food was always in the basement, a huge, huge open basement. Um, and you just go down back to the basement, reload, <laughs> eat some more, go back and watch some more football, fall asleep in the easy chair, and go back downstairs, get some more, maybe another piece of pie. That was magic. And, and, and amazingly enough, the thing that always blew my mind, even though we had – that many people you'd think oh gosh with you know if there's 50 60 people at thanksgiving you can't have had any leftovers and it was amazing uh because th- thanksgiving turkey was always like the gift that keeps on giving oh sure yeah. you 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 ate a good quantity of turkey um but then there was always i don't know it was just the fact that dad always found the largest turkey in the country every year um or what but it was usually would end up with uh, turkey and noodles one day so that you know if there were any of grandma's noodles left then they got repurposed as turkey and noodles uh there was usually a turkey salad of course you'd slice some turkey up and have turkey sandwiches maybe but it's like you could you could live on the remnants of that thanksgiving dinner for at least a week uh it was great i loved it it's one of my favorite yeah, things. i i read a thread once on twitter where some british dude was like bragging on turkey and saying like ah it's not good it's tasteless people like no no you gotta you gotta just eat it right i'm like no i had it i had the good turkey i didn't like it um and i'm like you know what i don't want to take culinary advice from a dude who probably eats like boiled like ham and stuff like get out of here like if your primary if your primary means of of celebrating things is is eating boiled meat or something i'm I'm, I'm done with you it's fine the, the the foods of my point is the foods of thanksgiving are fantastic and i will brook no uh dissent from outside sources about our delicious food and one of my favorite thanksgivings that i had actually was when i was living in japan and um you know turkey in general is, is pretty unheard of in japan particularly where i was living i was in a really rural area and <laughs> there's a company in in japan that i think really caters almost exclusively to like expats who really are missing home uh it's called the meat guy and you can go on his website and just find all kinds of different you know traditional what you would think of western style american style meats and we got this big turkey and we baked it in a school oven and it was it was a good time so yeah i i you know, Thanksgiving's going to be weird this year, but I'm I'm still looking forward to the the food and you know, doing some kind of family interaction. We'll see what it looks like, but it should be good. 
Um, so thank you for that question. That's great. Uh, thank you. Uh, and, and honestly, you know, if you've got other food related questions, we're, we're always here at the 11 Dubcast and available to answer them. So that's Dubcast. Next week, hopefully we'll be able to break down an actual Ohio State football game. That'll be fun. Um, but until then, I'm Johnny. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time.